0: Hey. Does
1: anybody know? Whatever, probably not. Hi, everyone. Nice
0: to see (laughs) you.
1: For those, now I'm going on the record. For those of you who were not here last week, we didn't really get into the spheros yet. We more spoke about what the spheros are and the different meanings of the word sphera um, and how it's relevant to our lives and we didn't go into such detail we did explain that there's three um, axes of axes axi of spheros the right the left and the center line where the spheros and that's going to be important um, so if I'm going to link the just sec, i I'm going to link in the chat the source sheet of the spheros so that you can have a look because it will help you visualize where everything falls on the body. And if you'd like, you can have a look. And if you have from last week, you can open it up. All right, I linked it before, let me know if it works. Any of you, I could put it on the blackboard, whiteboard, but I haven't figured out how to do that yet.
0: If you just say share screen.
1: Yeah. And then it will open up all your documents that are open and then you just select which one and then it should come up. Oh, got it, okay, fine. Maybe I will do that then. Okay, cool. All right, so today we will start going through the difference we wrote. Now, um, we're gonna get really high jammy, oh, in the (laughs) villa. We're going to get much deeper into the Sphero and how they relate to our personality, in order that we can learn more about ourselves and how we can better ourselves and refine and make our Sphero shine, make our attributes shine, um, and get ready for receiving the Torah, which is what we are doing now. So, the first of the Spheros, which we said, I think we said last week that there's really eleven and the the. the different Kabbalists count the 10 spheros in different ways. Some include keter, which means crown, um, and not da'at. Some include da'at and not keter, and some include da'at and keter, but not malchus. So really, the middle line or the center line of the spheros um, are counted differently in different models. But we're going to discuss all 11 of them, um, and that way, whichever model we're referring to, sometimes keter and da'at are interchangeable and considered two parts of one sphera, of one attribute, and sometimes keter and machos are considered two parts or one in the same. So we'll start speaking about keter. and hi Eva, welcome, so glad you're here. So let's start with ketzer. Um, uh, if you've heard of keter, just do a thumbs up so I know if this is a totally new concept or not. So if you've kind of heard of keter, Okay, so keter, where it means crown, it is the first of the 10 spheros. Now, throughout this course, Kabbalists um, um, parallel different, each of the spheros to, a bod, to our body parts and to our organs and our systems. But for now, we're going to speak about all the body parts that parallel our spheros, where they fall or where they are presented by what they're represented by in the bodies. And it gives us a, bit, a lot of insight into what the spheros are like and the character traits of the sphera by knowing which body type part, part of it um, corresponds to. So Keter corresponds to our superconscious or our subconscious and in our body, it corresponds to um, physically to our skull, which surrounds our brain. So it's encompassing um, and also to our aura and our energy. So our energy field and aura that exude from our body, which are physical, um, Somewhat physical things that can be felt by energy specialists or people who are in tune with energies. When a person is alive, even when they're asleep, they have a certain energy field or aura around their body. This is our keter. It is beyond the conscious. We're not conscious of our keter. We can't really control our keter. In keter lies all of our desires, um, things that are beyond our, anything that's above our intellectual capacity to understand. So things like, things that we want on a very deep level are beyond that. Our energy is beyond our control or thoughts and the energies that we exude. So, when we're alive, we have an energy. When someone is not alive, there is no energy field around their body. Now, in Kabbalah, Keter is considered the encompassing, um, it, like an aura encompasses our body and like a crown surrounds our head. Hey, hiya, welcome. So glad you're here. We're just getting started on Keter, the first pharaoh. So, as a crown surrounds our head and an aura surrounds our body, Ketar represents the level of surrounding, the um, part of the Sphera that is not, that is encompassing Sobev Kalomin is what's referred to in Kabbalah. Um, It's not directly observable or understandable, Um, but something that's really unique, it's Ketar is also referred to in Kabbalah as the crown on top of the pomegranate. And, which is very interesting, and this is a very deep concept about the pomegranate, that although it's the highest of all the sphere beyond all intellect, the deepest of all the sphere, it is the source of all mitzvot. Oh, there, you muted yourself already. It's the source of all of the mitzvot and the ratzon Hashem, and beyond intellect, the source of the deepest desire, of the, of, the, um, of Hashem's desire to create the world. Nevertheless, it's the most connected to the lowest sphera of machos, which represents action. Um, and it's... Which also represents our world, and that's why the bottom of the pomegranate represents the mitzvos, the practical mitzvos. So the highest Keter level of Keter, which is the desire beyond intellect or the soul that's deeper than our understanding or superconscious or subconscious, is directly connected to physical action of Malchus, and Malchus means royalty, and royalty wears a crown. So, the pomegranate really is a that's why the pomegranate in spot you'll see is a Kabbalistic symbol because it represents ma'chut and keter and how they're the most united of, of ma'chut. You would think that keter would be most connected to or similar to the higher spheros, like the intellectual spheros, the ones that we don't even refine in Sphiris Omer. We're not even touching Chachmabin and Dat in Sphiris Omer. Those are so difficult to touch, and um, we don't really have much control over what pops into our thoughts, and even though we learn in Hasidus that we somewhat work on our thoughts. We start with our emotions, um, and we, we elevate our thoughts as well, and that's what learning Hasidus is. But in Sferis to Omer, in preparation for the Torah, we work on our emotions first. Those are more, um, anyway, so Keter is contrary to what you think not closest to Chachma, which is the highest of the spheres or the most infinite of the spheras. It's connected to Mahlas, the most physical, which is directly related to our feet, our, our, our bodies, our mouths, the action-related mitzvot. Um, now, this is a little Kabbalistic, but in Kabbalah, um, the word Keter in Gamatra, which means it nu- has a numerical value of 620. Now, if you're into mathematics, um, Kab- Kabbalah has a lot, a lot of math in it. There's a mathematician made by, by Ginsberg who loves to study um, and um, like look at the whole world as this beautiful mathematical equation. But in, so the 620 is the numerical, numerical value of Keter, and the Ten Commandments have 620 letters, which hints to the 613 commandments plus the seven commandments of the, that the rabbis added. So we actually have 620 commandments. And as a hint to that, the Ten Commandments included 620 letters to allude to seven more commandments, which will be added by the rabbis, which include the um, blessing before um, before eating and other mitzvot that are rabbinically sourced, but are mitzvot, not just Details of the 613 mitzvos, but actually new mitzvos that were added by, like Hanukkah and Purim and mitzvos like that. Um, now, they're visualized in Kabbalah. Keter is the 620 commandments in Kabbalah are visualized as 620 pillars of light. So this is something that's very Kabbalistic. Take it or leave it. Pillars of light that project from the crown, which is the high, the ceiling of the world, the highest level and connect it all the way down to the sphere of Malchus. And it's explained in Hasidus that what is this, how does this relate to us? That every time we do a mitzvah down here, we encompass, we are encompassed with that pillar of light and have a direct channel to Keter, which is beyond intellect, where we can reach and access love, and connection to Hashem that's beyond limitation. So that's some Kabbalah on Keter. For ourselves, when we refine our Keter, or when we think about our personality, um, Keter, in terms of our... And of psychology, our personality, we would think about our aura, our energy, the energies that we give off, our subconscious, our innermost desires,
0: which are very much affected by the way that we act. Any questions? Iki? Yes. Are you saying, um, so I know you said we're not working on like the
1: intellectual attributes right now during the Omer, but when it comes to like aura or vibe, I would think that in some way you can't work on that. Like your vibe is just something you naturally give off. On the other hand, like maybe you can. So is what's the thought on that? That it is, it's something that's difficult to work on, but it's possible or it's just like, that's what you're- I think it's impossible to fully control the same way. It's even impossible to fully control which thoughts pop up into our head to like, you can't completely control your innermost energy or subconscious thoughts. But there is an element of having an effect on it. I think that you could, you can do other things to affect your aura and your positive energy. So even though you can't affect your energy directly, you can do positive things that then affect your positive energy and your positive aura. So you can do things that put you in a good aura. So you do have a way to be cognizant of your aura and your energy by specifically
0: doing the practical things that affect them. All right. Any other questions or comments? Okay, let's move on to who knows what's next. It's on the diagram that I shared. Did the diagram work for anyone? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> so,
1: next, today I'm hoping to cover the three intellectual faculties. So, you may have learned this in Tanya class with Rabbi Kaufman, probably, hopefully, that the, um, our, in Tanya, it explained that our 10 spheros are divided into two categories, the mothers and the offspring, or the intellect and the emotions. We have the three intellectual um, faculties of thought, speech, and action, Chachma Bina, das, otherwise known as Chabad, and we have seven emotive faculties. In Kabbalah, it further divides the, second, the seven emotive faculties into two categories, emotive and action-oriented. So we'll have Chachma, um, Chesed, Gvor, and Tiferet being the three emotions, and netzach, chodi, so love, fear, and compassion as the emotions, the three central motions, and then um, determination, humility, and bonding, and mahut which is action, I guess, for now, as the four action-related emotions. So they're emotions, but as emotions as they relate to action, as to how to take that emotion into an action. So we have really three categories, And we'll get back to that after we cover all the spheros. We'll go back to why that's how we can fit that into our um, own lives and our own paradigms. Hi Esti. Welcome. So we're about to... So Chachma. I'm sure you've heard something about Chachma. Give me a thumbs up if you've heard and learned about Chachma to a certain extent. Okay, so in the body, Kabbalah um, parallels, finds Chachma in the either in the brain and Bina in the heart or the right brain and the left brain. Um, The right brain being the idea, the center of ideas and creativity and the left brain being breaking it down, formulating plans and having deeper understanding. So Chachma um, is the ability to, it's the first of our conscious faculties. So until now we've, we've dealt with the subconscious things that we're not even necessarily aware of. And Chachma is where we begin to look at something and ponder its essence until we uncover the truth underneath something. So that's really the potential of Chachma. It's, the, this, it's when a person has the ability to just look at something and get it, get what it is and what it is at its core and at its source. And that's also where all like new ideas come from, where you get something, where you're like, oh, I get it, it clicks. It's the place where everything clicks, where you look to the right side of your brain to think of something new and originate new ideas um in the so in the body it's the right brain in the name of hashem we said that kabbalah parallels all of the spheros to a letter or part of hashem's tetra, holy tetragrammatin which is yud, hey vav and hey and it also parallels it to a body part in hashem's name it very fittingly relates to the yod which i think you we've discussed this before the yod is this compared to like a lightning bolt chachma is when you have like a lightning bolt where everything just clicks and makes sense and you get it but you haven't really Flesh it out and fully understood it in a way that you can articulate it. It's like when you wake up from a dream and then you try to say it over and nothing makes sense yet. And you have to like sit and process. So it's the before processing all the details. It's, it holds so much in a little dot. So that's what the Yod is. It's, we call it when we're teaching my baby Tzvi about yud. we call it the baby Yod. It's small, but it holds everything inside of it. It's an idea where I get everything, but I haven't been able to put it into words yet. And I get that I get it, but not yet. Um, so chachma is the main force in the creative process, and it's where all creativity and creation of something new starts. Even creation of a child begins in the brain of the father. According to Tanya, the, the brain of the father secretes something or triggers the creation of the seed, and all of creation starts in this brain. And in the going back to math, in the this is a little bit um, mathy the sum of all numbers of one. 73 is the numerical value of Chachma. And if you add up all numbers from 1 to 73, which is called the triangle of 73 in math, you will get 2,701, which is the um, numerical values of the first verse in the Torah, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and we also have a Pasuk and Silm that says So Hashem created, um, created the world with Chachma, that the entire world was created through Chachma, so all of creative, cre- the world is comes from plasma. Creation of the world comes from Chachma. The beginning of all... Hey, Joni, I see you in the background. Benny. Oh, now you're gone. <laughs> so plasma cre- so is very much connected to creation, but it needs and depends heavily on Bina to fully flesh out what, what is going on. It's like when I have this dream and it makes so much sense in my head, when I try to say it over, nothing makes sense. It holds so much, but it relies on Bina to fully bring that out and that is where I'll pause here for a minute to see if anyone has um, a question on Chachma before I move on to Bina. You mind repeating the
0: math situation that happened?
1: Okay, the (laughs) numerical value of Chachma is 73 now if you add up all the numbers of 1 to 73 you end up with the 2701 which is the numerical value of the whole first verse of creation, the verse that says that Hashem created the heaven and earth so you end up having that Hashem created heaven and earth with chachma, in a way. Um, there's also an opinion that reads, the, there's also, um, in Targum Yerushalmi, it actually reads the word veracious as with chachma, Hashem, um with chachma, Hashem first created the heavens and earth. So uh, in personality types, if we're going to, ref- chachma would be, a person who is a chachma personality would be someone who has a lot of ideas, if someone is only Chachma and not balanced with Bina, they might just have a lot of ideas and never fully flesh them out or finish them. There's someone who jumps from idea to idea, someone who's very creative, um, someone who may not see things through or like start a conversation and then start another conversation and jump to another conversation. And it's important to realize that Chachma lies on the right, um, I never know how to say this, but the right line of the three um, lines of the Spheros. So it leans heavily to the right. And we'll see how that, that will connect Chachma to the spheros, or soul powers of Chesed and Netzach, which have very similar tendencies to Chachma, but in different ways. So we've discussed, Keter was centered in the center line, Chachma is on the right. And now we're gonna go to the left if we don't have any more questions.
0: All right, moving on to, anyone know what's after Chachma? Dina. 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 Kabbalah calls, in in certain places in Kabbalah,
1: you'll see that Chachma and Bina are referred to as um, two brothers that can't be torn apart from each other or two best friends that come together in pairs. They're a a pair because one can't function without the other. If you just have a lot of potential and ideas that hold within it, but you can't fully process it and flesh it out, then you're left, it's, it's kind of pointless. But if you have only Bina, but you don't have ideas, again, it's pointless. So Bina is a feminine attribute. Chachma is a masculine attribute, even though women can have more chachma than men. It's not a stereotype. We all have feminine and masculine attributes. Um, but bina is a more feminine attribute, and it's represented in the body by the left brain, which is where we process things and understand things properly um, to its full breadth. In, in Hashem's name, it is um, the hey, which takes the yod, which is just a, you know how the Hebrew letters look, a yod looks like this, Ahei uh, expands the yod in length, breadth, and width. So it takes that idea and fully flashes it out and uncovers all the details of your, when you got it, but you didn't have the words for it, and you didn't fully get how you got it, and it brings it down. So it's the expansion of Chachma and the deeper understanding, the intuition. Of, it's also the, the intuition and taking that out of just an idea and bringing it out into knowing something really well in all of its breadth, width, and depth. So, it's the ability to examine
0: an idea in all of its details and formulate a plan yeah they're called two companions
1: train rain that never separate from one another so in order to sustain our reality and to recreate the world constantly Chachma and Bina are both consistently and constantly used they're also called the father and the mother that join together in order to create something, in order to then create the emotions, the, the intellect. This is an entire another class, but Chabad is based on that. All of Chabad philosophy is pretty much hinged on the idea that our intellect births our emotions, and that all of our emotions and our goal in being a, in being a great Jew and having a great connection to Hashem is to feel a, have a relationship with Hashem in our heart and to feel love for Hashem. And Chabad Hasidus is based on the idea that. Our emotions in our heart are born of, are birthed from our mind. And they really take this idea of Chachma and Bina marrying one another and being the father and mother, that if we take out new ideas about Hashem and then through Bina fully understand it, which is by learning Hasidus what we're doing right now, so you understand what you're saying. You're not just saying words. You fully get what you're saying in some way, and you can repeat it to someone else and explain it and teach it over. That's how much you get it. And then you can take da'ad and internalize it and meditate upon it. Then that will naturally birth love and fear for Hashem. That will give birth. You don't need to, it's the natural, when a father and mother get together and all the things are in place, Birth, creation and birth happens. So chabad instead of focusing on just inspiring emotion, we focus on going to the source of emotion and how is emotion birthed. Emotion is birthed only when you have a thought. You don't feel afraid of something. If you, don't know, if you don't know that there is a dog around the corner that you're scared of or something scary there, you won't be afraid of it. You're only afraid or, of what you know. You only love what you know. You can't love something that you never even knew existed or that you don't know anything about. Any negative or positive feeling is birthed from a thought. So based on that, if we can direct our thoughts to meditating on to first chachma conceptualize, learning a new concept about enom levada, that Hashem is all of true existence, and then contemplating it to really learn it through bina and learn. Most of bina, when we learn in a class with Rabbi Kaufman and Tanya, you're doing bina, you're understanding these concepts that before were just this idea, Enon Levada, Hashem is everything, like cool, but what does that mean? Understanding what that means and being able to repeat it back to yourself is bina, But it's still missing the third piece, because even if a two parent, a father and mother get together and unite, there's a third piece missing. There has to be that connection, the two, right? The X and Y chromosomes have to connect. There has to be a connection in order for that birth process to um, then continue. So even though we need Chachman Dina first for any emotion to be created in ourselves, we can also go backwards and say that if we want to change an emotion, if we have a negative emotion, like fear or insecurity or feeling worthless or shame or guilt about anything and we want to change that feeling we can go with cognitive behavioral therapy we'll teach what chabad is go back to the thought that's causing that feeling identify which thought is causing you to feel that negative feeling and question that thought and challenge that thought and say that's not a good thought that i'm having that's not true change the thought and think about something else and have a new association and that will that will affect your feelings so Really, what we're trying to get to is creating um, full, healthy, um, beautiful feelings to have a loving relationship with Hashem and not just be robotic Jews who just do things because someone said that we should and because we're afraid not to, but do things because we have genuine love for Hashem. Now, the piece that's missing that even if we have Chachman Bina, it won't generate a feeling. It won't lead to the next steps in our um, emotions unless there is Da'at. Without Da'at, we can, be emotionally, we can be emotionally detached and remain intellectual and say, that's cool. I totally get Tanya, but I'm going to go continue my life how it was before. doesn't make me feel anything. Just cool concept, but next subject. But it remains a subject and doesn't relate to you. Famous story about Das is the boy who gets a letter but he um, in the mail, but he can't read. So he gives it to the mailman. And the mailman reads him the letter and says that, unfortunately, um, I've come to tell you bad news that your father has died. And the boy faints. And the mailman says, I don't get it. I read the letter first. I read the letter myself and I I didn't faint. You only heard it from me and you fainted. And what was missing there is Das. It's because it didn't relate to him. It wasn't a personal thing for him. So of course he didn't faint, it wasn't his father. When the boy related to it as a personal thing, it affected him, his emotions immediately because he connected to it through Das. So if we understand Bina, um, any questions before we move on to Das? So let's talk about personality. A Bina personality would be someone who is um, logical, rational, intu- a lot of intuition, makes, does things that make sense, might not, if they're very strongly Bina, not Chachma at all, they might just be the logical people that focus on the details and what has to be done and not necessarily on the innovation or the bigger picture, they focus on the details of, the, of making it make sense and not just jumping from one idea to another, they're more focused and a chafma person. Um, all this is because Bina is on the left um, line of the axis, I guess, the left axis, which has a tendency to be more um, lim- have more limitation, constriction, restraint. So a Bina mind is someone who is focused on one thing and then the next thing in a gradual way, in a normal process of the way things make sense. And a chafma mind might be someone who, like me, who reads the end of the book before the beginning of the book and then the middle of the book, and not necessarily does things in like the right order that they should be. So those are two different brains. That's a left brain and a right brain thinker.
0: Um, any questions? All right. Das. Das is a book unto itself,
1: really. Das is a forbringin. Das is a lot of forbringins. But to summarize, das in the Torah. The first time we see das in the Torah is, you may have heard that when Ab when. Um, Adam was intimate with Chava for the first time when he married her. The term in the Torah uses is that the Adam knew Chava. In the same um, story of creation, we have the etz Hadat toverah. So in the beginning of all, we have das in two really different ways. We have das in intimate union between a husband and wife. And we have das as the tree, the tree that they were forbidden tree, the forbidden fruit that they were not supposed to eat from. So what is das? It's the third... Um, conscious realm of intellect, and it lies on the center axis of the body, and physically in the body it's represented by either the neck, which connects the brain and the heart, or by the cerebellum in the back of the head. But it lies somewhere here. So in the picture that you have, it lies here. I like to use it as an example of the neck, which connects the brain and the heart because it lies, all of the attributes that lie on the middle axis of the body, um, take the two opposing attributes and blend them to create something new. So what Daas does is takes Chachma and Bina and brings them together in a place where two opposites can exist, where you can hold space for things that might negate one another or not necessarily fit together and fit them together to create an entirely new attribute called Daas, which means knowledge, um, and to define da'as, to I would say it is intimate knowledge, knowing something fully in an intimate way. So it's taking the concepts that of Chachma, that concept let's say about Enal Mavado, about Hashem's infinity, and then the Bina, where we fully understood it and learned about it until we got it and really got that concept. But still I can move on and have it not not have it affect my life or my feelings. And then make it relate to me think about it about how it relates to me like the letter how does that letter relate to me how do i connect to this idea what does that mean in my life in my world how do i connect to this and meditating on it over and over and over again and internalizing it i guess the right word for us is internalization in one word internalizing the idea until it becomes a part of me so that of course it affects me and once i've Gone through that neck, through the throat, or through the neck, and internalize the concept. It will immediately affect my emotions because it matters to me. And this is um, in avoda in our work as a chassid or as a Jew or as a human being. This is when someone learns a mimer or a sicha or a con- let page a- or a of t- chapter of Tanya, and he doesn't feel anything, and he's just continuing life as it was before. The advice. That we that is given in Chassid, in Chabad Chassidus is to learn that same mimer over and over again, to learn that chapter of Tanya over and over again, until it's a part of you and you connect to it in a real internal way and you you connect to it. It's your pe- chapter of Tanya. It becomes your favorite chapter of Tanya, your favorite mimer until it changes your life, and that really takes repetition. So the act of doing das is repetition. The idea of das is internalizing something. The reason that The word da'as is used for Adam and Chava's union is because the way that they can intimately connect is by fully knowing one another. You can only be intimate with someone when you know them and get them at their essence, when you've gotten them. That's what true intimacy is and true bonding is, not bonding of the bodies, but fully knowing a person's soul or the soul of an idea and getting it so well. And the act of connecting of da'as with a person is just repetition, spending a lot of time with somebody over and over again, asking them questions, learning about them fully until you internalize who they are, if you get who they are, and then will come the emotions, then will come the feelings and the, and the bonding and the bonding between one another. Um, and in intellect, it's repeating and learning the same thing over and over again, or repeating it or in me- and, and, um, meditating is meditating is doing that thinking about something over and over again, or learning the same Tanya chapter Tanya over and over again, until it means a lot to you until you connect to it in a personal and internal way. So it's taking the distant intellectual thoughts that are maybe distant from you and detached and making them personal and internalizing them so they become a part of you. And that's kind of why it's by the throat, because the throat takes food that's outside of you and ingests it into your body. So you're taking something that might be outside of you and ingest it until it's inside of you. Now, the discussion of why the tree of life, of uh, good and bad, or the no- tree of knowledge was called that is just also such a deep and vast discussion. But um, it was this intimate knowledge until they had, it was this, what they gained by eating the tree from the Eights of Da'at, from the tree of knowledge, is self awareness. And that's why immediately afterwards it says that they realized that they were naked. They, they obviously knew they weren't dressed, but they had this. Awareness where the ideas that were outside them suddenly they felt it and they felt their nakedness and it clicked inside of them where they were aware of themselves. And there's so much more depth to discuss of why Das the fusion of chachman Bina leads to this self-awareness. But what they did is internalize it. They the das, the knowledge was outside of that. But by eating from it, they internalized the knowledge. And now from then on, all of humanity has this awareness of self, an awareness of an an internal awareness of the things that may have remained outside of you. You feel the, the, your, you feel, we feel a lot of things that other creations don't feel. We are aware of our shortcomings. means we are aware of our higher purposes. We are aware that there is something greater than us. We are aware of our subconscious. So it's a very in deep knowledge and understanding of things that we may have known, but not really known.
0: Any questions? We're moving Can fast I today. Ask a question about like the three intellectual faculties like in general? Of course.
1: Hi Jordan. Because um, I read, hi. Um, I've read somewhere about a while ago, and I'm not sure exactly how it relates, but that the Chachma Bin das are like each of those, is that? Sorry, cut off. That are letters of what? they're related to each of the spiritual worlds. Like um, Chokhmah is and then Bina is um, Korea. Is that a discourse or is that maybe something I'm getting mixed up on? No, it's very possible and it's maybe ringing a bell, but I can't, I don't, I don't remember the details or know okay. to answer that, how it relates to the four worlds. But the way we're, the mo- there's a lot of different models looking at the spheros. The spheros that we're looking at exist in each world. So the 10 spheros are an entire unit that are, all of them exist in Silos, and then in a the more finite level of creation in Bria. And then the entire package of 10 exists in um, Yitzira and asia in different dimensions. Or you could just say it's four, that the four worlds are four different dimensions of the same exact spiros. Uh, look, um- look at the world not that there's four worlds but rather there's different realities of how much layerings there are in our world that we live in so it's one world but if you're looking at it from a higher reality then within this world there's so many dimensions that we that exist here i didn't see your oh i see Tita's question out sorry i missed that was that answered yet okay so going to the body so we said Yud in, in a shem's name Yud is chachma of Hashem's four-letter name, Tetra, So Yod, hey, Vav, and He. So Yod is Chachma, He is Bina, and Da'at, in a way. Or Da'at is included in those two. And then Vav stands represents the six emotive attributes, um, which are divided into... And then the last He represents Malchus in Hashem's name.
0: Okay, if anyone wants another math equation, anyone care about the math?
1: Okay, this is really cool. The sum of Chachma and Bina together is 140. Chachma is 73 and Bina is 67, right? We said before Chachma is 73 because the number is right. So together we have 140. Now, 140 is also the sum of... All square numbers from one to seven, which kind of give birth to the idea that Chachman Bina together comprise of all seven emotions and the square root of all of them. So like their full encompassing emotions. That in the minds of the father and mother, that in Chachman Bina is already present all seven emotions in their square root, in their full form, in their ultimate, in their square root, which represents their ultimate state of perfection. Like it times itself. All right, moving on. Wait, sorry, can you? Sorry, my sister was also talking to me, but I'm I'm not 100% on the perfect squares relating to Bina and Chachma, still. Okay, the square roots of, if you add the square roots of one and two and three, four, five, six, seven, it equals 140, which is Chachma plus Bina. So the idea is that within Chachma and Bina, which is 73 and 67, yeah it Includes within it the full perfection of all numbers of all the seven amido one through seven. Oh, because of the seven emido. Okay, that <laughs> was the piece I was missing. I was like, why seven? Okay, got it. Yeah, that they include, which is their offering. So we're really stuck. On Chabot, Chabot is really stuck on this idea that the intellect give birth to the emotions. What? So we go about it both ways. On the one hand, we we refine our intellect by learning. But how we also
0: emotions so there can be okay now going to oh my interconnect connection is unstable we mentioned last week that the seven emotions parallel
1: the seven days of creation so i'd like to touch on that today because we're going to have a lot of parallels because we're not going to have the parallel of how it's reflected in the name of hashem for the six emotions Um, the reason that the seven emotions are divided into six and one is because machus the last one is completely independent it, it's like its own it's its own thing it's like the the in the body it's either the it's its own thing so in this model of hashem's name they're divided the seven are divided into six and one the six emotions and then machos is on its own but the new parallel we'll have for the seven emotions is the seven days of creation just like there's six days of creation and shabbos is on its own machos is shabbos so it's six and one right the six and the one so in um the seven days of creation well i'll try to touch on the parallels those parallels as well on how the day of creation tells us and gives us insight into that faculty now in like like a personality type um a das personality an enneagram it would be like the four i think if anyone cares about the enneagram um it's the deep thinker someone who internalizes everything and really thinks deeply about Internalizes it and thinks deeply and connects to every to a lot of ideas. And also maybe for the less, for the less, um, developed, um, DAS personality, it might be someone who overthinks everything. and takes everything a little bit, makes everything too personal and has a hard time detaching from things and everything they hear connects to themselves. And it's an amazing attribute because they can internalize everything that they learn and connect it to themselves and have a lot of self revelation and, um, examples from their own life but someone who is not a balanced da'at may have a lot of overthinking and a lot of depth that may be a challenge where they're just always going too deep and it's hard to connect and relate to other people that's a da'at personality it's a great um, trait and a very important trait Um, without da'at we really have a big disconnect between brain and heart and it can lead to a lot a lot of problems in our lives so once we've covered intellect, intellect and Chachma and next we have on the right side, any guesses?
0: Chesed. Chesed, exactly.
1: Okay, where do we start? So Chesed, because it falls on the right, it is in the body, it um, starts at the, the emotion of Chesed, begins in the right shoulder, and then its expression continues through the right arm, and the five fingers on the right on the right arm, so your entire arm, fingers, um, and shoulder on your right side of your body. In the days of creation, Hashem created dark and light, and it says that on that day Hashem there was a brilliant light that overtook um, that was too was tremendous light that came. So that is what Hashem is the creation of. Bounding light. A chesed is is giving, and it's the expression of giving. Where on the left side we have withholding, just like Chachma is forward coming with just a lot of ideas that don't stop, and bina is restraining those ideas and breaking them down one at a time and taking them apart and restricting them in order to make sense of it. Chesed is giving without limits. It's the express any emotion that is um, outward and giving out something or emitting without any boundaries or unbounded giving is an expression of chesed, is a derivative of chesed. So there are countless emotions that we experience. We go through in one day dozens or hundreds of emotions, but we can really depict, point all of them back to either a derivative of a positive outward expression of emotion or a constrictive, restricted emotion. Some emotions are when we turn inward and restrict something, and some emotions are outward. Even when we yell, that's a derivative of chesed. It it's, might be the gvura, that, that's where we find the inter, um, inclusion of all the midos in sphere Omer, but when you yell, it's an outward expression. When you shrink into yourself and close yourself off, or you give a silent treatment, that's a derivative. Uh, you have to like about chesed and gvura as buddies. And partners. If someone is only chesed and doesn't have gvura, they're messed. And if someone is only gvura and no chesed, they're also. Awesome. If you have only chesed, um, although it's considered chesed is amazing, giving, how could that not be great? Someone is personality is chesed, that's great. But think about the consequences. The way that a chesed gives is without consideration of the beneficiary. So it gives in proportion to what it wants to give. Um, not considering the outcome of what's going to happen, not restricting, because it might not be good for the recipient or might be too much. It might not be healthy for yourself. For example, a chesed person might have a problem with being an over shopper or an overeater and just buying and buying gifts when they can't afford it or buying themselves things when they can't afford it. Someone who always wants to say yes and just give. It's the yes factor. While that's a beautiful idea, if not tamed by gvura, then it can be a dangerous one. And Avram, oh, also going back to the Avos, Chesed, Gabor, and Tiferis are represented by our three patriarchs, Avram, Yitzchik, and Yaakov. Avram embodied Chesed, this, the sphere of Chesed and the Tzilut, Chesed as it is in the highest world, in this world. He was the physical representation of Chesed in the world. Our lifestyle was all giving and all open and no boundaries. He had four doors on his tent to allow anyone to come in. And because he had untempered Chesed, and went, what happens, well, even though he was able to show his restraint by, um, Hashem challenged his chesed by the sacrificing of his son to show that when it came to having Tavura, he could bring Kvura and temper his chesed. But the reason, because Avram was so much chesed, from him came Yish- Ishmael. Ishmael was the corrupt version of chesed when it's not holy, when it's corrupted, or when it's not tempered by kavura. And Ishmael loved so much that he took whatever women he wanted and with by force and whenever he felt like it. And that was his downfall. He took whatever items he wanted, whether it meant stealing it or, or taking whatever he wanted. So it was about taking and out of a, a tremendous amount of love for so many women and objects. So chesed untempered is not always good. It's um, giving without thinking about the outcome or an outward emotion without considering the beneficiary and what they need. It's giving your kid... Candy whenever they want it, even though it might not be good for them. It's saying yes all the time when you don't always, you shouldn't always say yes. And that's why in the Spirits to Omer, we work on if someone is a chesed personality where they're limitless then they don't limit, they do not Not that at restricting. It's someone who has, might have to be time challenged, might be a procrastinator, might have a hard time setting boundaries. It's not, in in Spirits to Omer, what we would do is temper their chesed on the second day of to Omer, in the day of Voroshad chesed of bringing boundaries within Chesed and tempering your Chesed with Kevura and working on expanding and then Spirit Omer we're just saying, well, I might identify as a, as a really right-oriented right person and have a lot of Chesed, but here's Spirit Omer where I'm working on balancing my Midos and synthesizing my Midos and including much more Kevura to temper my Chesed so that my Chesed can be beautiful and not
0: destructive and unhealthy. In a beautiful way, the, in the Torah,
1: it says that when Hashem created the world on the first day, it was Yom Echad, which also can mean a day of oneness, that the Chesed, the light that Hashem revealed, that says that Hashem revealed the light of Chesed, where Hashem just gave us all the goodness, and that Yom Echad, the day of oneness, is when all of creation was encompassed by this beautiful light that included,
0: that was encompassed by the oneness of Hashem. Any questions on chesed? So I think we kind of depicted what a chesed personality would look like, right?
1: Someone who is un- giving without b- limits. Now, gvura is, we a lot of times think of gvura as fear, anger, hatred, might, be the, um, the word I'm looking for? The definition, I would say, to define what gvura is, is limitation and restriction. It's withholding. It's going inward. So any withholding trait of moving inwards and moving away from outward expression is a derivative of gvura. So really all emotions are included within chesed and gvura, and das is an attempt to have harmony
0: and balance between the two. I now, thought in- the- gvura yes, was strength. Ball. With strength it and is.
1: precision. It me. It literally. Yeah. It means gevura. We translate as strength, but to encompass the idea of Gvura, of what gevura represents, st- the re- it takes strength to limit. It doesn't take strength to. The reason that gevura is might is because it takes a lot of more might to restrain than to give. But you then have you. are to be a gibor. A gibor is somebody in the Mishnah that says who e- is a strong person. Uh, it literally defines in the Mishnah Avos what is strength. It says, "What is Ezehu who is strong? Hakovesh right one who conquers his desire. It takes strength when you means that you have a desire to do something, and you withhold that, and you don't do it. That takes a lot of strength. It takes so then strength to hold yourself doing something. Go ahead. So then I don't understand how that relates to fear and anger. Right. So those are those are um, how the restriction might express itself. So we'll get to that soon. That's a good question because it's, I feel like there's a common misconception of Gavura as someone who's an angry person or someone who's a tough person or someone who's a strict person or someone who's stern or someone who has anger issues. That is not what a Gavura person is. A Gavura person is a disciplined person. It is someone who is strong because they are disciplined, because they can overcome their urges, because they can restrict when necessary. Now, the outcome, so in in um, Tanya, when we learn about gavura and fear of Hashem and awe of Hashem and respect, gvura, fear and awe and respect are kind of one package deal. In a relationship, you need to have love, but if you only have love, that's smothering. When a parent just loves their child and like, never leaves them alone and just follows them and never lets them let go, when a spouse respect the boundary, respect the person as their own individual. respect when the person says no, you have an unhealthy love. So gavura is hand in hand with awe and respect. Awe and fear is like a distance. It's you and I are separate. It's I want to give. I may love you so much, but I have the, the the awe to recognize that you are your own individual, that you are separate from me. And I need to respect that and give you that distance or respect that you might say no and not do what I would want what I wanted every everything I want to do because I respect and have that distance. So it creates a certain Distance and um, now, where the fear might come in, or the strength, or that, that idea, or hate represents hate. Hate is kind of inward holding feeling, and the way it's expressed in the soul and hate is just an express. One of the expressions of the many expressions of Ghura. One of the expressions is that is that fear and hate are derivatives of love. That when you love somebody so much. You have an inward hatred for anything that takes away that, anything that will threaten that love. So anyone that challenges that love, you will hate inside. If someone is challenging the one that you love and trying to steal them away from you, you'll hate them because they're trying to take or break apart. If someone's trying to break apart you and the one you love, you'll have hate for it. If someone's trying to hurt the one you love, even if you don't innately hate it, you'll hate it because it's trying to take away from your love. So it's a, it's a hate or a, a negative emotion that's born from love. Now, the way that it presents in our service of Hashem is the hatred for anything that will distance us from Hashem, that will take us away from Hashem. So it's the hatred or the repulsion at something that is against Hashem's will, or someone that is trying to break my relationship with Hashem, or something that will distance me from Hashem. That is where hatred comes into the picture. It's a hatred that is born from love. So really, in this deepest sense, fear as well. Where do we have fear in up Fear is the fear of being... Of, of being separated from someone that we love. The more, and this is like straight from Brene Brown's book, if any of you are um, familiar with her book, her concept is so beautiful and so much explained this idea of fear born from love. That the more we're scared to love sometimes, because as soon as we love something so much, comes with it so much fear of losing that. So the fear is the fear of losing. When we look at our she's, she she describes looking at your children and how blessed and how beautiful and peaceful they look, and then being overcome by a fear. So automatically with love comes fear of loss and fear of detachment. So that is the fear that's in infant It's a fear that's born from a closeness and a love. And in our service of Hashem and Tanya, that fear is described as the fear of being separate from Hashem. So when we're afraid to do an avera, it's not because we're afraid of Hashem punishing us. Internally, at the deepest core, we're afraid of distancing ourselves from Hashem because any avera, any sin, distances us from Hashem. So the fear of sin should be the fear of being separate. Same way we're afraid to hurt, to do something that our beloved doesn't want us to do because we don't want to make our mother mad, not because she's going to beat us up, hopefully, but because she'll be mad at us and we won't be close to her because we love her. And we don't want to have that bad feeling when we're not close to someone that we love. We don't care to make someone mad that we'll never see again or someone that we don't care about. We care to the people, we care to make, not to make mad the people that we love. We only have four minutes left. Any other questions? Is that, that, is that all right, Kaila, um, or do you want me to explain it more?
0: Yeah, no, that's good. I didn't know that that was um, a preconcept, like a...
1: Yeah, I feel a, like it's, it, they are true to Gvora, but they're not the core of Gvura. They're only details of Gvura. The real Gvura is like Eizahugi someone who is strong, that can withhold and be restrictive. Now, a Gvora personality might be someone who follows rules all the time, who sets boundaries, who goes to bed really early, who thr- might be on the negative side, or someone who is gavura without being balanced by Chesed, might be someone who um, is a really big stickler for roles, who always goes to bed early, who never spends any money, Who's very thrifty, says no maybe a little bit too much, um, not, and really to balance them. And that's what um, there is is, because gavura is so important. We can't the, without, the world only exists because Hashem, right, the famous story of Kabbalah from Kabbalah says that Hashem tried to create the world with chesed. We think of it as hot water, cold water, and warm water. Chesed is just hot water, just warmth. And when Hashem, what happened with, when it was all just boiling water, the world shattered um, from too much heat. And then Hashem said, okay, and we'll the world with take because they can took away all the light and created the world with vura and we couldn't handle it within a day we would all if there's so much judgment and being fair and being role following and not allowing for compassion and love we wouldn't survive a day we would all be judged so strongly and we wouldn't survive a day so the world couldn't survive with vora either so it says Hashem took chesed and vura and blended them together and that is why in the creation we said um in the beginning we have Hashem and Elohim Hashem had to create the world with um you have the tetragrammaton which represents um, chesed and Elokim, which represents din and judgment which is restrictive light energy which is also the um, examples of the sun and the covering of the sun that Hashem gave us the sun and the light but also created a covering so that we wouldn't be burnt by the tremendous light. Now in the parallel of the six days
0: of creation we said that chesed is the tremendous light. The second day of creation, anyone know?
1: Um, on the second day of creation, Hashem split the waters and created heaven and ocean. So that is really what Gvor is. It's creating, it's dividing and creating and creating space um, so that we can we can have room to breathe and we can have a world by separating. If everything is just encompassed by water and there's no space created, and we don't divide and allow for a higher world and a lower world to exist, and spiritually, what what the higher the higher waters and the lower waters are presented by the Chesed, the affluent giving light remained above, and down here we had a more limited version of expressions that we wouldn't be consumed by the chesed and not be able to exist um, and be swallowed alive. And when when we're completely surrounded by light, of chesed, we don't exist anymore. We lose our own independent existence. On the first day of creation, when there was only light encompassing the world, it was beautiful, but no one existed individually. There was just a light that encompassed everyone equally. So in order for creation to exist, we had to bring in gvura, which is division, which is exactly what happened. Hashem divided between the higher and the lower in order that everyone can exist as their own individual individuality. And that's what restricting does. It gives it gives in a way of restriction of recognizing whether this, this is good for the recipient. So gvura, with chesed of gvura, is when we bring Chesed into Kevura, it's being able to give, but look at the recipient and say, is this actually going to have a good outcome? Is my giving for me, because I want to give, or is my giving good for the recipient? Is giving this candy to the child good for him, or maybe not good for him? Or does this poor person need money? Or maybe, thinking about the recipient, maybe let me divide this and not look at this as a whole global picture that everyone just needs money. Maybe this person, what they really need is a job, or maybe they need a hot meal or maybe they need something that's not just money and it's looking at their recipient and giving in a specific um, individual way. So it's creating individuality
0: and looking at the individual and saying, what does this person need for me right now? And we are done for today. Any questions about Chesed or or anything else? Thank you, Kiki. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Thank you, Kiki. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Good Shabbos. Shabbos, everyone.